from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during global chaos. We got an amazing episode slated for y'all today. We're bringing back a fan favorite interview. First, though, remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can join the channel. For only $3 a month, you can become a baby shark. Now, if giving money through big tech isn't your thing, don't worry. We got you covered as well, okay? You can head on over to deadhousecoffee.com. Use code SHARK. You will get 20% off of your order and all the proceeds directly support us right here at Shark Bite Biz, uh, producing the biggest, the best show we possibly can. So now let's get back to today's episode because we're going to be getting an update from a new business in a new industry that was only legalized maybe two years ago. Roughly, maybe two and a half. And we're going to get some kind of a breaking news announcement here. So I'm pretty excited. And it's really going to help give us, I think, a peek into the inner workings of how this all came possible from starting the business to what this big announcement's going to be. So who is today's guest? Oh, so glad you asked. For the second time, yes, I say second time, Mr. Sandro Pianconi. Sandro is a serial entrepreneur, author, and investor in several startups, and now focused on the hemp and cannabis businesses. One of those businesses is Hempbacko, where Sandro is the CEO, and they are single-handedly one of the largest manufacturers of hemp smokables in the United States. He's taken part on a documentary on the hemp industry that's going to be out on Netflix soon, and he's in the midst of writing a brand new book titled Hemp Rolls. <laughs> and it's actually going to be printed on hemp paper. Amazing. Love it. So, hey, I'm going to shut up. Let's bring our buddy Sandro right on in here. Business strategy. Sandro, welcome to Shark Bite Biz for the second time. You get to become Shark Bite. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome back. So glad to have you back. And you're here to kick off season three of shark bite biz and to me it's kind of amazing because when you were on the show the first time it was episode 15 like right after i launched the show i was going for two and a half months and now we're up to over a hundred episodes crazy isn't it well, that's wonderful. Crazy. And congratulations to you. Oh, no problem. Thank you. So for people out there that do not know who you are, Sandra was on episode 15. So people out there that don't know who you are, Sandra, how would you explain? What's your background? What do you do? What are you an expert in? So I am a serial entrepreneur. I like building companies. 
when we had talked to you last time, we were just, we called it the wild, wild west of hemp. Yep. The hemp bill had passed. And we talked about us getting into a new industry, which was hemp smokables. And we wanted to be the leader of hemp smokables in the United States. I've uh, mm -hmm. been an entrepreneur since I've been 10 years old, started my first company and uh, many, many, many different companies. I, I did a lot. I met you because I did a lot of business in Mexico. I am yep. I own a trademark. I'm the Mexpert uh, in Mexico. So expert of doing business in Mexico. And uh, but now, uh, you know, we pushed all our chips in and we're in the hemp smokable business. You put all your chips into hemp industry. That's correct. Wow, that is uh, that's that's pretty amazing. But you know, I, I imagine that you probably have like the first movers there because, as we discussed last time, it was kind of new. It was you know just got legalized shortly before that, and you know it kind of opened up this whole market for you legally to jump into, right? Yes, we're definitely a first mover advantage. Uh, there's a couple people doing it, but we're definitely on the leading edge. We believe we've been doing a lot of research and development. We've uh, filed some of our own patents since last time we talked to you. Wow. We've licensed patents, uh, which I'll get into. And we definitely want to be on the forefront and be a leader in hemp smokables. Yeah. So a lot has changed before. When you and I were talking, we were like, yeah, you know, at the end of summer, once this pandemic ends and here we are like a, almost a year later and we're still in the middle of this pandemic, you all were trying to ramp up your business at that time. Now, I think things have changed. Mindsets of everybody has changed to where I think in COVID, yeah, we're still in a pandemic, but it's more standard operating procedure by this point. How has that been? <coughs> taking your company from almost nothing to, you know, the public company that you guys are today? Well, yeah. So when we talked to you uh, last year in the middle uh -huh. of a pandemic, one of my complaints to you was we just started out. We had started the company January of 2020. We ran right into COVID. Uh, we were building a brand, which was the real stuff. Okay. Oh, it's hard. Beautiful. It's hard to, to do it because a lot of buy, trade shows, we're really good at trade shows. Mm -hmm. We want to go fly and see buyers and go see them, and they weren't taking meetings. So what we decided to do was, A, we didn't stop working. So if you remember, mm -hmm. I told you about my cold yep. storage business. We're essential. So we've been coming to work since May 12th, I mean, March 12th of 2020, every day at 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, working, building the business. Uh, we decided if we could not go to a trade show, hell, we'll do our own trade show. So oh, we came up with the Hemp Smokable Expo. Uh, we put it on. It was a three-day event. We followed all of the CDC guidelines that were out there. Uh, we set them up in two-hour blocks, so like an open house. So Clarify that, though. Okay. Your event was an in-person event, virtual or hybrid? An in-person live event. Wow. That, so that's amazing. We have a factory. We have 50,000 square feet. We have outside in San Diego. It's only beautiful. So in December, yeah. it was 70 degrees. We put tents outside. <laughs> I and miss we my San Diego yeah, yeah. Every two hours, we'd have groups come in. And we got 42 groups. 
uh, over 150 people come and we book business. We call it the million dollar expo. Wow. That is, that is amazing. Yeah. Cause I remember last time we were talking and a lot of companies were forced into the digital transformation right there back in June, July, once they realized that, Hey, this isn't going to be like a two week thing. This is going to be here for much longer. And I was asking you, like, well, how did that affect your business? And he's like, well, with what we do, what we manufacture, what we produce it, the magic is in our manufacturing plant. And people still have to come here on site to check this stuff out. So you took so advantage we got of it. People, Yeah, we got people to come. And if people came, we closed them, right? We had wow. 100% close rate. If we were just sending out proposals and not meeting the people, and them not seeing us, we couldn't close them. So our idea was let's put on a show. And I yeah. think people were sick of being in their effing house and we got people from all over coming. So that was December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Right. It was so successful. We did another one in March. Wow. And we, we said we're going to call it the International Hemp Smokable Expo because we had people from Mexico City, from Canada, oh. from all go. over. So. Yeah, you got to take advantage and, you know, make it bigger. So how many, I mean, how was it? Was it hard for you to get people to go in person in either December or or March? I mean, do you think you could have got uh, more people there? Was there some resistance from some people? Other people didn't care. How was that trying to navigate that water? No, we had a, a, a number. It's like a golf tournament. We had three days with, with a two-hour window. So we only had a certain amount of windows mm -hmm. we could get in there. So we were sold out on the first one and then the second one. So people, I say, the people in the hemp or cannabis industry were all crazy anyway. And so <laughs> it was no problem. Bigger companies, there were some big companies that they, quote, quote, were not allowed to travel. Their companies would not allow them. Mm -hmm. But if it was an entrepreneur or a small business owner, they were on the plane or they drove. Yeah. We had someone drive from New Mexico because he wow. wanted to come so bad to the show. Wow. New Mexico is beautiful. I drove through there once and I got to see the house from Breaking Bad. That's like the oh. only memory I have from <laughs> New Mexico. <laughs> totally random. So... Let's get into, you know, it's interesting because I want to talk to you about raising capital during a pandemic. Not many people get the honors of having that task. And we've actually had a couple entrepreneurs, like I'm thinking Rock, Paper, Scissors. They're a tech startup that launched just months before the pandemic, kind of around the same time you did. And they were on this show telling us about their struggles to try to get funding, like they'd get a lot of interest. They'd get a lot of people interested in their software. Like, this is awesome. This has a lot of promise, blah, blah, blah. But when it came time to actually putting their money where their mouth is, cutting the check, a lot more hesitant during the pandemic than it was you know, before the pandemic. Well, What's welcome to our world. Welcome yeah. to our world. So if uh, I probably did not say anything last time when we were on the show, but in January, we had a, it was about February, we had a term sheet. We were out raising capital. We had a $2 million term sheet uh, from an investment banker. We were working towards closing. And then all the 
this happened, you know, the pandemic, mm-hmm. and they said, oh, we're going to bring the curve down for two weeks. And the group uh, was out of Canada, and I called our banker and said, hey, is this going to get screwed up? No, don't worry about it. They're oil and gas guys. Don't worry. They've seen everything. And then sure enough, if you remember, sometime in March or April, the price of oil went below zero. Yes, I bought that? a lot of oil, like UCO, <laughs> USO. I was one of those Robin Hood traders, and I still yep. have it today. I ma- I made good on those. Yeah. Well, now they became worried, and uh, yeah. you know they were underwater and all their deals, so they had to pull out of our uh our deal. So uh, disappointing. Uh, you know, uh, most people would be crushed, but we said, hey, let's dust ourselves off and let's go back. Uh, we actually met another company, Canadian company in the hemp space. Uh, they We had actually signed an LOI to merge with them. Uh, two things they had to come in with was cash, the two million and uh, a publicly traded company. And uh, we signed that in June, maybe before or after our last call. Now, I, I think I think you were telling, I, yes. I forget, I don't want to spill the beans. Yes. I'm pretty sure he said that on our show too. Yeah, I think so. so. And we were moving, so we, well, I like to use the word, we were engaged, you know, we we're engaged yeah. to get married. And then it was one extension after another, hey, can we postpone it? We need a little bit more time, which we understand. And then at the end, they just weren't, able to come through and with with the cash. And so uh, that was somewhere around November. Soon as we made the decision to cut it and say, hey, we need to move on. And we put in our head to do the expo. We decided to call the last day we invented it, uh, Investment Banking Day. And we invited investment bankers. Uh, (laughs) God looked down on us and sent a couple investment bankers to look at the deal. And one liked it and uh, said to me, uh, I'm going to bring you a, a candidate, uh, public company to go public and to uh, help you raise the capital. Wow. Wow. So, you know, a couple of things I got out of that, Sandra. I mean, first off, I mean, you really have to, uh, I guess, sit down and buckle up because that's a roller coaster of emotions you went through. You got some highs and some really low. A roller coaster and a half. Absolutely. Absolutely. And because if you remember, we thought the world was going to end. They were talking about no more doing loans, no more jumbo loans. I mean, you heard it. I mean, the stock market went down 30%, everything that could. So when you have a deal, you're excited and you say, boy, I better do this deal. Uh, And then it doesn't come to fruition. So, of course, you have highs and lows. There's a lot of, I think, a lot of fear the media was pumping into a lot of, even with the stock market. I mean, yeah, obviously it was crashing with COVID. I think that's expected. That's reasonable that it would crash in a situation that's unprecedented like that. But throughout the whole year, I mean, you just kept having people say, oh, why is the market going up? This is a bubble and, you know, all those doubts and stuff. And I I think it made a lot of people nervous, not necessarily because it was a bubble or anything like that, but I I think people just didn't know what the heck to believe, like how good things were, how good things uh, aren't, should they keep their money, should they invest their money, and it just created a little bit of disarray, I think. Agreed 100 percent and you know obviously the business we know which i was a, a food guy the food businesses did very well at least the takeouts and the pickups mm-hmm. uh but also the cannabis business 
uh, both CBD and, and uh, THC, at least in California, oh, yeah. dispensaries were up 200%. Well, everybody can just sit at home and get high all day. I mean, why not? Yep. <laughs> um, why not? Yeah, why not? Get paid from mean, the government. Yeah, you know, no job. We have to stay at home, you know. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so raising capital, though, I, I think one thing that you said there that's important, I just want to, um, you know, point it out is you were saying about when you know the they pulled their offer for the funding okay and uh, i think a lot of people i mean that was probably stressful uh it, it it probably it obviously set you back with your goals and stuff like that but i think a lot of people put their emotions into it too much and it sounds like you accepted like hey this is the reality. I can cry about this for three months if I want to, but it's not going to change the fact this happened. It, it sounds like you, you took that minute to absorb it and realize what it was, but then it's like, okay, well, this is why I'm a leader, and you had to change position and start going down another route. Absolutely, and that's uh, maybe because I'm older and I've been through <laughs> it and I have the, all those wounds, uh, but it's called persistence, right? I was being interviewed by a, a, a young man in college and said, what are the things that a, a, a young entrepreneur needs? And I said, persistence, persistence, and persistence, right? Just don't mm -hmm. take no for an answer. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I want to hear more about you having to say no to a deal. I mean, you're used to selling things. You're used to hearing no. It's not often that the sales guy gets turned around to where they're saying no. And it was so uncomfortable and I felt so bad doing it. Well, usually when you're selling it, you don't say no because you have multiple. So, but if yeah. I only had one of these and it was a collector's item and you kept saying to me, I have the money, don't worry, it'll be here next week. If I had two of these, I would say, okay, Dave, come back next week. But if this is the only one, yeah, uh, I need to collect the money this week, right? So it was uncomfortable. I had to sit down and tell him, uh, it was very uncomfortable for me. Uh, they accepted it, but it was uncomfortable, right? Meaning, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't me. If they would have came in with the money, I would have closed. Uh, right. So. Okay. Okay. So I, I want to talk, uh, Hempaco, you now are public or you're in the process? So uh, by the time our listeners are listening to this, yep. we are public. We actually uh, acquired the preferred shares of a publicly traded company uh, okay. that's been around about 15 years called Green Globe International or GGII. Mm -hmm. uh, we will be signing a uh, reverse merger, an acquisition agreement in the next week or two. Uh, but again, by the time your listeners listen to us, we'll already be trading. Uh, we'll be on the OTC markets. Uh, the, the ticker will be GGII, uh, mm -hmm. but there's always stories, you know, we love telling stories because my kids and my grandkids won't believe this when I, when I tell you the story. So I'm glad we're recording it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's pretty, pretty awesome. Now I know that you've been a serial entrepreneur throughout your career. Have you been the CEO as far as other publicly traded companies? So once before, uh, over, over 12 years ago, I was a CEO of a publicly traded company, an investment group, uh, 
We were acquiring companies in Mexico. We started out with the Miller Beer Distributor. We made several acquisitions. Never heard of them. Never heard of them? Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, if you were in Tijuana and drank a Miller Beer, it was from our warehouse. Uh, uh, there you go. Definitely so, did that. Yeah. So uh, so that was it. And then, of course, I, I'm an avid investor. I like buying stock in companies that I understand mm-hmm. or I use, like Home Depot or McDonald's or Coca-Cola. But uh, what so about I understand crypto? how it works. Do you do crypto, too? I've got to ask. It's yes, all the rage. of course. I own crypto, <laughs> but uh, again, just enough, just enough to be dangerous. I learned just enough to be dangerous. Uh, do, do you follow Dogecoin at all? I do not, but some people in my office do. But uh, oh man, you know, I would have probably about a hundred thousand dollars. I sold because I needed the money for the coffee company, so I had to sell like plus minus a couple days to get my investment money to go in. I would have just held out like another week. It was probably about $50,000 difference. I would have had a 50,000 more if I would have been able to hold on to that cash. Now, if I would have held on that extra week, had that money, I mean, I didn't need all that 50 plus grand. I could have just took out a couple thousand for the coffee company. Okay. I would have left it in there to now. I mean, we're talking well over six figures with what it's been hitting at the 65 or so cents. Well, I'm glad this is recorded so you can tell your kids and grandchildren. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. Right. So I want to ask you that as far as the process, I know that you're doing a reverse merger to be public and stuff like that. Can you explain that? That Process. I mean, is it just something that's more of a formality on paper? No. I think a lot of people have heard about this stuff, but yeah. they've never done it. Well, there's there's several ways. Actually, we are doing a podcast and a book called Reverse Merger to explain oh. it to other entrepreneurs. But basically, most people hear of a company and they do what's called an IPO. So right. uh, they, they well, take the company. Well, you could do they, an ICO, right? Well, ICO, so same thing, but it's a initial public offering. You're registering your shares. You're doing auditing. You have to go out and get an investment banker. That's the normal way to do things. But again, we're not in normal times and we're not a normal company. So we are doing what's called a reverse merger. Other ways you heard, they're called SPACs. I'm sure your guests have heard of SPAC, where an investment bank raises money for a public company. It's publicly mm-hmm. traded to then go look at acquiring a company automatically that company becomes acquired by being part of that public company. So this public company we bought has shareholders, it's been trading, has a ticker, and then it's going to acquire 100% of Hempaco. And then when we consolidate the financial statements, we're basically a publicly traded company by right. virtue of getting acquired by Green Globe International. Right, right, right. So it wouldn't be a like a subsidiary per se. I mean, this is going to be, well, is this going be, to be the main I mean, company? Well, the main company will be Hempaco, yes, because there's nothing else going on in the company. They have small revenue, small business, but definitely it would be a acquisition. So Hempaco would be um, a wholly owned subsidiary. subsidiary. So, I mean, we've just talked about a lot of cool stuff from the funding with raising capital, hosting your true uh, two trade shows down there in beautiful San Diego, saying no to the deal, the finding an investor, you know, the public company. 
I've got to ask, what keeps you up at night? You've gone through all that. There's got to be something that's still stabbing you in the thigh. Well, no, it's every day. I mean, every day we don't know. You know, if I had a crystal ball and knew what would happen, I would be relaxed. But I don't know what's happening. And there's normal business and customers we have to take care of and uh, distributors. You know, we talked about the trade shows we put on. Next week, we're doing the first ever trade show in Las Vegas, live trade show since COVID. It's the TTE show. It's wow. May 12th, 13th, and 14th, and we're going to have a trade show there. And so we're getting ready for the trade show. There isn't a lot that keeps me up at night. I, I go to sleep pretty content, <laughs> uh, but there's always challenges, but, you know, challenges are opportunities. So, yeah, yeah. You know, something else that was running through my head when we were talking about how you closed all the people that showed up in person, I think from a straight sales knowledge point of view, I mean, that's huge because you're getting those people to have skin in the game, meaning that they're going to your place on site. It's more of a qualified sales cycle, I guess you can say, because they're investing well, their time. It's and the only money. way it's qual. They're qualified for coming out here. They're invested. We're controlling the, the conversation, the atmosphere. They see the facility. It's a beautiful facility. They meet the whole team. So it's just not me. If I got on a plane and flew to see you, it would just be me. Our suppliers are here. So all of our the top suppliers in the world that are here that support us because of the show. Mm-hmm. So they see the whole picture. They see other customers. There's We're controlling the conversation. Yeah, no, it, it totally is. So how many... Have you closed deals where you don't have that level of buy-in, you know, where you're just emailing or phone calls? Well, sure. We've, we've closed some of those, but, you know, our ticket, I think we talked about it, the yeah. same as your the high ticket. So, right. you know, I sell a lot on the internet, uh, our Real Stuff Smokables brand, right? right? So I sell a lot without meeting them. They come online. You can see that they, they buy, they can buy $9.99 and I deliver it to them. That's different. That's a different uh, conversation. When I do a white label or a joint venture deal, right, right. they're in for $100,000. So someone's not going to wire me 50% to someone they've never met. I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. but normally that's not the case. Oh, so, all you got to do is just Google Sandro and you'll see, oh, he was on Shark Bite Biz. Yeah, we'll wire that's you. Right. No, it's that's the same right. thing. It's the same thing with me that, see, we used to have the mentality in this industry. Oh, no, you know, you can't sell a $100,000 deal, a $500,000 deal. You got to go on site, meet them and give them the warm and fuzzies. And, you know, they had this, but during the pandemic, I mean, we were forced to relearn. Yes, you can. You can still give the warm and fuzzies, you know, digitally. It doesn't always have to be in person. You know, to be honest, I always, I, maybe it's just because I'm, you know, younger than a lot of our sales reps at that time, but I always kind of, I had some deals in LA that I would just totally close without never even having a video call with them. It was just over the phone. And well, we would have the, the demo, but they would never see me with the right. camera on. Um, but they were rare. I still have some, but now we've kind of, I guess you could say kind of mastered the sales cycle to do right. it. Digitally. But we spoke about it, right? That your company yep. has credibility. It's been around longer. Yeah, your yeah. product has credibility. Yeah. I mean, 
you, they're, they're still buying you. They're buying your consulting experience, but the actual brand, the company is there, which I said it would be easier. We would have gone yeah. through the pandemic and we already had customers. The take purchase orders are easy over the internet. You That's know. the one thing I, 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 I forgot in the back of my brain that, yeah, the difference is you guys are still in ramp up building that credibility mode. So that makes total, total sense. Um, I guess to close up here, because we are running out of time, is what do you see in the future for both your soon to be public company and also with, uh, you know, the hemp industry in general? Well, so what we're doing is we're really, we, we, we changed our scenario. We're not in the hemp or CBD business. We're in the disrupting the trillion dollar tobacco industry. Uh, so the tobacco what? industry is a trillion dollars. We own the trademark disrupting tobacco. So what we see is that those people that are smoking nicotine or cigarettes, we want them to stop, smoke our cigarette. And not only will it be hemp, it'll be a lot of other different products that are coming down the line, herbs. Uh, we have flavorings, we have terpenes. Uh, we, one of the licenses we did was to spray terpenes on the flower. We have that license. We're the only mm -hmm. one that can do it for hemp smokables. Uh, okay. Flavorings. So what we see is a, an array of products in the marketplace, mm -hmm. uh, both U.S. and internationally, to get people to stop smoking to nicotine and tobacco, but relaxing and smoking one of our products. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that, that you say that. I think... I don't know how long tobacco will be around because isn't it Marlboro or one of the big manufacturers said that their end goal is to get out of tobacco? Well, no, it's to get out of combustible tobacco. Combustible, so, right. So they're going to a product that uh, it's the same. You put it in, it's nicotine, but instead of heating it up, it, it generates. So that's what the CEO of uh, Marlboro said is to get out of combustible, meaning where you light it. And, and it mm -hmm. doesn't, but you would still, the nicotine is a way it goes into the body, like like uh, caffeine is with coffee. Uh, nicotine is evil. I tell you what, these uh, tobacco companies were, uh, I threw it away already. But uh, I've been on Chantex probably like four times throughout my life because it's one of those things that just keeps finding its way back into somebody's life. And uh, well, I'll it. send you a carton of these if you, it oh. gives you the urge. To stop smoking, it relaxes you. And That'd be great. Uh, you know, I'm a big supporter of CBD. So especially with all the, the I have psoriatic arthritis, stuff like that. Yep. So it's been something that I've been wanting to uh, do. It's just I've always been it's hard to get solid info, I think, sometimes for CBD as far as doses, what you should be taking and this and that. And everybody has a different opinion. I'd rather right. just go to somebody I trust like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. Hey, Sandra, thank you. This has been informative. You've given us a lot of cool info about your company. You told us about your struggles. I definitely hope that, uh, you know, that's going to help people out there with their companies. I have one last ask for you. In your new book, yes. make sure you give Shark Bike Biz a shout out. <laughs> I absolutely 100% will. <laughs> definitely, definitely. How can people reach out to you and Hempaco? Yeah, uh, so they can go to hempacoinc.com uh, mm -hmm. and then the real stuff smokables.com. And what I'll do is I'll come up with a special code for your listeners so awesome. they can get a freebie or a 
buy one, get one free. Let me work on that. We'll have it ready for when the show comes out. Oh, that'll be great. That'll be great. Kicking off season three with a promo already. This rocks. Sandro, thank you so much for coming on, man. Hey, can I give you a commercial? Thank you yeah. for the great coffee. My wife loves it. My son loves it. So thank you. Good. Oh, I love it. Thank you. I'll talk to you then. Cheers. Wow, that was such an amazing chat with Sandro, right? First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out, share it out to your network. Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret in all of business assess. We bring you two episodes each and every week that's full of people that are that are teaching you how to obtain personal growth, professional growth, and business growth. We got a really good thing going on here, but it's only possible because of you. Share us out to your friends on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you hang out on the interwebs. <laughs> Share it out. I would love to see nothing more than Sandro, than Hempbacko, and Shark Bite Biz Trending. Now let's get back to our rock star guest, Sandro with his awesome, awesome discussion. I'm going to keep working, you know, so I'm going to work and keeping my intros and outros a little bit shorter during season three. Time is of the essence as we all get back to normal life. And I find myself with less time to produce these awesome episodes for you all. Now, with Sandro, I've got to say it was a pretty cool announcement that he had, okay? When we talked to him about a year or so ago, you know, he, was, he, he wasn't taking the company public. He was just getting started, and it's in a brand new industry. I think, you know, the opportunity that he had and he seized was amazing, you know, you got the first movers. Uh, you have a lot of different things that just kind of lined up. And here we are a year later, and you're able to see the results of all of Sandro's hard work and commitment as CEO and an entrepreneur behind the scenes that really formulated this company. And I think him taking the company public okay he's doing it via reverse merger and he explained all the hoopla there in the show personally i've never heard of doing something like this probably because i've never taken a company public before so it was a little bit new to me but looking back i really think it's pretty cool i think it's a clever way to be able to take a company public i mean that's a huge undertaking and i think a dream most entrepreneurs have at least to some degree you know it's to make your pride and joy so big that it is publicly traded that is pretty gnarly i could tell you it's a dream of mine i would love nothing more than the shark bite biz to be publicly traded one day doubt it will be but it would be pretty awesome if it was so you know whatever it is what it is and i i just gotta say hey sandro congrats to you that's reaching a huge milestone a big dream many entrepreneurs have now i know with sandro's uh background he has been ceo i believe of companies that were publicly traded in the past so might not necessarily be new to him but still it's a huge achievement. I don't care 
how you get it done. And I think this is something that we all probably can learn about. You know, the road to success is not straight and narrow. There's twists, there's turns. And to some people, getting your company public via a reverse merger, that might be taking like a back alley shortcut, but it works. You get the same result, and it's a win-win-win for everybody involved. That is amazing. Question of the day for everybody out there on YouTube. Have you ever taken a company public and how did you do it? I'd love to hear some of those stories out there. Remember, we are now in season three. This is the second episode of season three. I'm pretty excited. If you want to be on this show, interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Remember, join the channel, $3 a month. You can become a baby shark and help support Shark Bite Biz. If not, though, just head on over to deadhousecoffee.com. Use code SHARK. Get 20% off of your order and all the proceeds. Support this channel directly. Once again, everybody out there knows this, but I'll say it one more time. I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.